welcome to the Ford cast. A Harrison Ford podcast where we watch all of Harrison Ford's movies, or I should say we have watched all of Harrison Ford's movies. I just haven't seen two of them. <laughs> um, yes, you uh, were not with us, so you should watch them, though. I'll be curious what yeah, you think. because now I have to go back and complete. Yeah, the world record. Oh. But that's okay. So um, we're back talking about Blade Runner. But this time it's Blade Runner 2049. Which, this is fun because we get to basically talk about 20 minutes of this very long movie. <laughs> and then you're going to talk about Kings the whole time. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Kings. Yeah. Um, we're also going to use this opportunity to talk about Pat McQueenie, who mm-hmm. we just have not had time to talk about. And she's so important in his life. And I, I feel like I'm not going to give her the gravitas that she deserves because of time. But, um, you know, we kind of started our run here after they met so it just sort of we never got to it but she's so important in his life so that's his it was his former manager uh this movie came out october 6 2017 and it is now 2018 and his character's name was rick deckard or richard deckard you think rick i think rick short for something did you you said richard i think you said rickard i was like that's not a name yeah it's just rick i I think it's just rick deckard yeah, like like my my cousin named her son Jake, and we were all like, "You mean Jacob?" And she went, "No, his name is Jake." Yeah, there's a couple like people yeah. who are named Jamie, and people think their name's James. And it's like, no, my name yeah. is Jamie. Uh, you want to read off uh, who wrote it and directed it? Yes, Michael Green wrote it. Um, I need to get the paper with some of, Yeah, with it. Hampton Fancher, uh, <laughs> who originally wrote the original. Hampton Fancher, and then Michael Green, and I love Michael Green. Uh. I love Michael Green because I discovered him when he wrote for the show Heroes. Mm-hmm. And then he left to create a show called Kings. <gasps> he also works on American Gods, although yes. I'm not sure if he's coming back for the second season. I think I have a feeling he's not because I follow him on social media. Um, but yes, please tell us, Rachel, why you love Kings. Seb Stan, my sweet baby boy, Jack Benjamin. Um, it's the story of David done in sort of a modern-esque thing. And yeah, I, I loved it. It was very Shakespearean. They're part of this it was too, too society weird that like... There's a king, and to be the king, you basically get a crown of butterflies that signify that you are destined to be the king. Well, the current king never had that. He lied, whatever, whatever, whatever. Come to find out that David was a boy who saved the prince, um, is the rightful king of Shiloh. And so it took me a second. I was like, it's Shiloh, isn't it? Um, and so it's beautiful. I love kings. And it are, is. Are you watching it on Hulu? So no, NBC app. NBC app. But okay. Michael Green had offered to buy it for me on iTunes. <laughs> he did because we were talking about it, and me and my friend. My friend was like, "He's so sweet." My friend was like, "Rachel loves Sebastian Stan. I'm gonna make her watch Kings." And he like was on the tweet thread, and he goes, "If you send me that you're gonna buy it on iTunes, he's like, I will literally buy you Kings so you can watch Kings." Because I was talking about how much, like excited I was to watch it. Yeah, he's he's shocked that people are getting super into it now because it was only on for one season. I think it was sort of ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time, and I think that it would have been so amazing because that was like a weird point of Sebastian Stan's career because we I knew him from Broadway and I knew him from The Covenant because mm-hmm. he was friends with the cast of Spring Awakening. Yeah, well, they filmed it here in New York. It was cast out of New York. Yeah, I knew he's in New York. I knew the casting director really well, actually. And mm-hmm. when I, I, I met her after it was on, it was one of the first things I mentioned. She was like, she got really warm about it. Like, oh, we loved working on that show. We were so I sad it was canceled. So she she loved that I brought it up. Well, that's like every time 
Jack Benjamin, if you guys don't know, is like the sweetest little character on the planet. And you can tell that Michael Green loves Jack Benjamin because he's like conniving and evil, but it's like he mm-hmm. he's gay and they won't let him be gay. And like it, the last episode is so sad because they tell him he has to sleep with a woman and he's like profusely crying. And his dad at one point and like the most heartbreaking but beautiful scene in the whole show is like the third episode, I think. Um, and his dad is like, I don't care what you are and I don't care what you do, but when you are a prince, you will marry a woman and you have an heir. And he's like, but I'm gay. Like, and he, his dad's like, I don't care that you're gay. I don't care what you do. Yeah, we need an heir. But we need an heir. And it's like so sad. And Jack Benjamin just is Is that so the upset. kitchen scene? I haven't seen it in a while. Aren't they like in a kitchen? No, it's when they're standing outside. Oh, okay, it's a different and, scene. Uh, it's... It's Leah's picture when she calls me as Jack Benjamin crying on the stairs of well, like some I think New quickly York we have to talk because this has been a really great year for Michael Green because he wrote uh-huh. this. He wrote the Orient Express, the Kenneth Branagh version, yeah. and he's writing the sequel. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, co-wrote the screenplay for Logan, which was nominated for an Academy Award this year mm-hmm. with Scott Frank, who's a, a wonderful writer as well. And Blade Runner was uh, one was nominated for five Academy Awards and won two. Michael Green's incredible. He's wonderful. Yeah. When we t- when we put this out there, we'll have to tag him because I'm I'm yeah. obsessed with Michael Green. And he, you should follow him on Twitter, guys. He has yeah. some really great. He's and funny. Michael Green. Yeah, he's funny, but he also has some really great thoughts on writing and. Yeah, and he'll yeah. like say he's like, "Don't put your ideas out there." Blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. But he um, he's great. I really truly. Yeah like michael green stuff if you haven't watched gangs it's on the NBC. you app. should watch it it's great the cinematographer um was uh roger deakins and um he won an oscar this year for blade runner mm-hmm. 2049 but he's one of those cinematographers that people were like why doesn't he have one already like he did shushing redemption he works a lot with the coen brothers fargo yeah. true grit skyfall beautiful mind i mean his imdb is ridiculous and it was this felt like a long time coming for him to win for this and it's it's beautiful this movie is so beautiful to look at yeah sorry and um, not to go back a joke we made in an earlier episode mm-hmm. when we couldn't think the guy's name who's Mar- michael ardent oh yeah the reason we made a king's reference was because michael arden who is an actor and a director is in kings and he plays jack benjamin's boyfriend um he also directed spring awakening that just happened on broadway oh i didn't realize that cool he won and Michael Arden kind of threw a fit because the camera at the Tonys put the camera on Chris Fitzgerald from Waitress instead oh. of Michael Arden. So oh, Michael no. Arden was like, you finally are nominated for something. It's the biggest moment of your life. And then they don't put the camera on you. They put it on some other white dude. Also, Janie, um, who directed this, um, did Arrival, which I absolutely loved. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so I was very excited when he was announced as a director for this. And I didn't realize he was French Canadian. I thought he was just French. He's French Canadian. He's fun. So that's why he and Ryan got along so well. <laughs> uh, so if anyone doesn't r- remember, because uh, this movie came out such a long time ago, uh, Ryan Gosling is this movie, and it's really Ryan Gosling's movie. Um, but I, I feel like Harrison Ford is like the Mark Hamill in this. He comes in the, mm-hmm. the third act. I mean, he does more than Mark Hamill, but like, kind of comes in at the end. Yeah. Um, can we just briefly explain this since he's not in that movie, this movie that much? So we can just explain the plot yeah, real quick. I, so basically, um, a replicant, now the replicants are like the cops. And so a replicant, which, what is Ryan K? I was like, yeah. I, I don't think all of the name. replicants are cops. He's a replicant. He, yeah, he is, which I thought was such a great juxtaposition being like, okay, we're going to tell the story, but we want to tell a different story. Yeah. I love that sh- that they changed it up it's like that. It's basically replicants who go and they kill like replicants that have like revolted kind of thing. 
because he he's searching for a specific kind of ro- uh, replicant, which is Dave Batista. Like old kind of because they're older. Yeah, replicants. the old yeah. replicants. They're basically the new replicants are killing the old replicants. Um, mm-hmm. And so, probably more, more, all the Tyrells, I would guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're like trying to kill the Tyrell replicants, and so K. The first time we see Kay, we don't know he's a replicant until he's fighting with Dave Baptista. And then Dave Baptista, like, points out that he is a replicant. He also throws him through a wall. He throws him through a wall. By like, the way, real, real quick, because I feel like I'm going to forget. I'm sorry to interrupt your... Okay. Um, that scene, the opening scene, was the original scene for the original Blade Runner. They just took the scene from the old script and put it in here. Well, that makes sense, because then we would have known he was a replicant. Even though Rick isn't. And everyone thought Rick was. Yeah. Because well, Rick is old. It's, it's because... Scott believes that he's a replicant, but Harrison Ford doesn't. But we'll talk about that. We have to have that discussion. We cannot not do this episode and not have that discussion. Yeah. Let's say that. So um, anyways, the the whole movie is like, they're trying to figure out what's, like they think uh, a replicant had a baby and they're trying to find the, the child and they're like, Rick knows and they have to go find Rick. Well, you come to find out that the replicant that had the baby was Rachel and it was Rick and Rachel's kid, which is, that's a whole thing. But, um, and you don't know where the kid is. So the whole movie, Kay is trying to find Rick. And then um, Rick is in like decrepit Vegas. And like, yeah, he's got a good. Yeah. And so then they come back and Jared Leto's there. Um, and then you, it's discovered that there was like this girl who she has the ability to like create things. Like, she can create worlds and, like, you well, put your... it's a job. Like, other people do it. She she creates memories. Yeah, she creates memories for the for replicants. For replicants. And she's uh, very... She's the best at her job, and so she's very sought after. Yeah. And then come to find out later that that is the daughter of Rick and Rachel. And then they have a replicant that looks like Rachel, which was very interesting because it looks like... What's CGI? No, I know, but it 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 is good CGI it's for really like good. one of the first times ever. Like it really looks like what is her name? Scott what? Oh, Sean Young. Sean Young. I was like, I knew it was a her first name is like a apparently Sean Young was on set. Yeah, that's how why they knew Rachel was in it because they said people saw Sean Young. Oh, see, I I'm so glad I didn't hear that she was in see, it. See, I knew Rachel was in it. Um, someone had seen Sean Young and they're like, Rachel's in it, and I'm like, so Rachel they, they couldn't s- age. Uh, so they saw Shang Young in Budapest? Uh-huh. Oh, damn. She should have really tried to find that more. I think that's where they saw I'm her. surprised I, I didn't see that. Cool. Yeah, I knew I that someone had seen her, and that's why I knew Shang Young was in it. But, um, so then, yeah, there's, like, a weird robot sex scene. <laughs> there's, like, this well, movie Well, she's, is like, a hologram wild. thing. Yeah, it's it's really about loneliness, in a way, because K... Blade Runner is... That's Blade Runner too. Yeah, you know he he he's sort of you know segregated because he is, as I say, a skin job. He has graffiti on his wall. People yell things at him when he's in. You know he's 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 an outcast. Yeah. So all he has really is this uh, holographic girlfriend. Yeah, and it's really sad. Yeah, he loves her. He loves her, and she's literally just made to like be a companion. Yeah. And then the last thing she says before they destroy her is, I love you. And then he sees the, like, wave yeah. by them, and it's very sad. Ugh, it's really sad. But the sex scene you're talking about is that he pays, he gets a prostitute to sort of stand, in, you know, over the, the hologram 
so he thinks he's like he's having sex with her but it's not her it's it's the girl from telly yeah <laughs> i think isn't that the same girl oh i don't know i think it's the same girl from telly oh that's cool you know what i didn't recognize her, so i didn't look up her stuff yeah the i mean unfortunately which was a little bit of a criticism which we can talk about as well as a film is a lot of these women are interchangeable <laughs> not that they all aren't doing wonderful performances well, I think that's part of the world too. See that I agree with you. Let's have this discussion then. That's part of the world. Yeah. So, so this got a lot of flack for being very misogynistic, and Denis brought up, well, this is a reflection of society today, and society today is not very good for women. Um, but I am a firm believer that sometimes worlds are not perfect, and they are doing a sequel of the original Blade Runner. And this is the world. Yeah, literally. Rick. Yeah, it is misogynistic, and women are treat women are treated like robots. Rick they are treated her in the first one. Like he like was very aggressive with Rachel, and then well, he, like, had I believe sex he raped her. her, and and that's. I I enjoy this movie and it, until every once in a while I would go, but he raped her. Yeah, and that's why people are like, uh, this is not a love story. He no, raped her, and like, and sometimes I would try to like not try to but like i would get absorbed in the story and then i would forget and then i was reminded wait no lauren this isn't romantic at all because like when they, when they we found out that rachel was the mother i was like yes you know just because i like continuity but then i was like no i it bugs me this isn't a romance to me i mean i'm sh he raped her the first time they had sex i just really believe that that scene is horribly directed in that way and it <laughs> bugs me and it's the only thing i don't like about this movie which is no one's fault because it happened in a different movie. Um, but yeah, that bugs me. But that's how I feel about the social network when people say, oh, but it's it's misogynistic. That's the world that they are creating. Mm -hmm. Don't blame Sorkin. That's the world he's writing. That's the movie. You know, and that's how I feel about this film is that, y yes, that is true. Because I have a lot of friends who can't enjoy the movie and I totally understand. And this is not the kind of movie, I think I said it, but the first Blade Runner that I would have gone after if we weren't doing the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's a I like, very heterosexual male movie. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I I like Blade Runner fine. I think. I think it just depends. Yeah. Like, if you're aware of the fact that they're creating a world and that is what that world is like, mm -hmm. you don't have to like it, but you can watch this movie and you can be objective about it and be I like, agree. "He's a bad character. This is the world they live in. This is what it's like." Mm -hmm. Blah 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 blah. But if you look at it through the lens of like, it's 2018, we should be make, I'm like, but they're creating a world. And that's like looking at the Mad Max thing. Mm. Those women get raped and everything in Mad Max, but it's like the thing that Do they that fall Blade in Runner love with the guy after? But that's the thing that Blade Runner does that this doesn't is Blade Runner still makes it like the guy. Well, yeah. Well, I don't believe that they think that scene's a rape scene because I think that they were oblivious to what we see now. Yeah. I don't, that's the, of course they fell in love. They don't see it as a rape scene. I, as a woman, see that as a rape scene. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily see it as a rape scene. I see it as, to me, it's a lot like, I, I'm just talking about Spring Awakening this episode. No, it's okay. It's, it reminds me a lot of the scene in Spring Awakening where she is just unaware of what is going to happen, like the level of the intimacy. Well, yeah. She's just like, I don't necessarily, w I wouldn't be like. That can be rape, but I understand what but you're no, saying. But no, I think she was like willing to a degree. I think what I don't like was that he was aggressive with her. I don't think he raped her. I think the aggression was what I did not like. That mm -hmm. I was like, you're being abusive. 
and I don't like this part of their relationship. Well, that to me adds to why it appears that way to me. But yeah, I, think I don't think that you, was the intention of the movie. That's no. just how it feels to me. I that's why I think it was more the abusive aspect of it. Sure. That I didn't oh, like, absolutely. That's where what I, didn't, yeah. I don't necessarily think he raped her. I think the abuse was what bothered me. Yeah, I understand that. Um, something interesting that you might like is that for the Jared Leto part, yeah. Gary Oldman and Ed Harris were considered for the role. It could have been Gary Oldman. Yeah. <sighs> Leto likes that a lot Jared better. Leto. Well, he's fine. It's Leto, but yeah. Everyone knows my story that I told. When he, didn't I tell the story where he asked me to sit on his lap? I don't want to hear that story. That makes me uncomfortable. I thought I told the story on the podcast. Maybe. I'm so sure I have. I don't like Jared Leto. I, I don't work, like him at I all. worked with him in a movie. He was in character at the time. Of course he is, because he's one of those. I don't like method actors. I have very strong opinions about method well, actors. Well, there are different degrees of method actors. Yeah, people, I don't like certain his people, level. I think so that gives method acting a bad name. Mm -hmm. Him and Daniel Day-Lewis, I don't yeah. like. Because I don't like the... It's, I think that's, yeah, that's not what method acting is supposed to be. It's too much. I agree. <laughs> The baseline idea thing that, that Ryan does um, is based on an acting exercise that he does. He, that was actually his idea. Scott didn't actually, he was supposed to direct this, but there were too many conflicts with Alien Covenant, which actually Michael Green helped write too, so they have a good relationship. And Denny was very concerned about doing the movie because he, he felt like it was be a huge burden. He was very conflicted because of, you know, how do you do something better or as good as the original? So he was very concerned. Um, and as I said sort of before is that they did film this mainly in Budapest. Budapest, I want to say it correctly. Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> and also, real quick, so we had a whole thing on the show called Beard Watch, mostly on the that internet. Failed. That failed. But here's the thing. I actually do believe, see, so at an um, aviation festival, Harrison Ford, who had a beard like a man who'd lived in the woods for 20 years, said that he was growing it for Blade Runner and he flew out like a couple weeks later. And obviously he does not have a beard. But he has been known to grow something because he wants to do it and try to convince people. Like yeah. the mustache in, uh, what was the one with, that he did with uh, the cop one? Oh, The Devil's Own. Mm -hmm. um, he wanted to have a mustache. And he's in interviews for Sabrina going, oh, the mustache is for the cop movie that I'm doing. Because he was trying to convince them and they were like, no. He's like, well, I'll show you, look. And they're like, no. <laughs> and even for The Fugitive, we talked about that he really wanted a beard. And they were like, only if you have it for the beginning, you know, but we're not sure. And he's like, no, no, I want to I be different when I'm on the run. So, like, there's a reason that people maybe don't recognize. But that was hard to get them to convince. So I, I wonder if he was like, I have this idea. And they went, no, Harrison. And he's like, no, I'll show you. <laughs> and then he arrives on set and they went, no. <laughs> we're letting you have your own costumes. Yeah. Like, no, you don't also get facial hair. Because it would make sense if he was like hiding off somewhere that maybe he would like look like Wolfman. I wish they'd kept it. It would have been awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought maybe maybe it would be in a picture, you know, like, you know, something from like, you know, background. He just was being really method about it. But no. Nope. Yeah. So we all thought he was lying and that he was in Star Wars or something, but he was not. Uh, he and Ryan Reynolds. He and Ryan Reynolds seem to get on. Oh my God! I just did it, didn't I? They're both Canadian. Damn it! They are. Him and That's Ryan. Why someone said the American Ryan the other day, and I went, "No, they don't exist. They don't." <laughs> um, so take that back. Uh, the Canadian Ryan Gosling. Well, that doesn't help because they're both Canadian. 
I know I did that as a joke. That was a joke. God, I'm too close to this mic. Sorry for your ears, guys. Uh, Seem to get on re- really, really well, and their their press tours were just them laughing when and they had having the, the best time. So well, the their most famous one was they were on a British show, um, and the woman I guess was a comedian, and and beforehand she's like, I've never seen the first movie. I don't know, and she she yeah she poured them like whiskey or something Mm -hmm. and they're he's laughing so hard at him there's actually a video i found on youtube which is just a bunch of clips called uh harrison ford and ryan gosling being assholes to each other because a lot of the humor that made each other laugh was when he'd be like uh what's your name again ryan gosling like (laughs) full body laughs at everything (laughs) oh does he okay oh yeah that was the that's the thing on SNL is he's always laughing when but he hosts. the thing that got me was how much he made Harrison laugh. Like, I've never seen Harrison... I've only seen him laugh that hard for something Carrie Fisher said. Yeah. Well, maybe he, he's in love with Ryan Gosling. Uh, but it was sort of kind of a joy to watch, I felt. Yeah, it was... It was very fun. Mm-hmm. He accidentally punched Har- Harrison accidentally, accidentally punched Ryan in the... Which I love that scene when they're um, in sort Elvis. of the nightclub with the Elvis and yeah... Uh, he accidentally punched him. There's a video. I'll have to find it. Yeah, because that still is so funny because it's like Ryan Gosling literally looks punched and Harrison Ford is in the background like... <gasps> yeah, he's like totally like... Yeah, face. He's like, oh my God, I punched He realized him. what he did. It's pr- pretty hilarious, I think. Um, there's actually a really great interview with him for GQ where he talks about some interesting stuff, including um, apparently they wanted... I think we've spoken that he wanted to change his uh, name when he was with the... At the beginning of his career, they they thought that Harrison Ford sounded too pretentious. There's also was a Harrison Ford silent film star, um, so he came up with the name Kurt Affair, just to fuck with them. <laughs> uh, he didn't. He was not serious about that name. I think they liked it better though. So that was something that was in there. And he also talked about a story that he actually started telling on a bunch of press tours around this time that um, his father also did some carpentry and cut off most of his middle finger. Jesus. So when he would point at him, like reprimandingly, he it would like was askew, so he really couldn't point in the right direction. So he would sort of piss off his father with like, oh, where are you looking? And he, he does the point and apparently he caught the look in the interviewer's face and he went, I know what you're thinking, that that's why I do this all the time in movies, <laughs> waving <laughs> your finger. I don't think it comes from that at all. And I love the fact that he, he's in the middle of the story and goes, wait, I it's know not what, what you. I know what you're thinking right now, but that is that is that is actually Someone not asked, true. Um, old Nike and Iron Reich, uh, if they made him point when he auditioned to play on solo, I was like, they did. That's delightful. No, they asked. They were like, "Did you have to point?" And he's like, "No." They did also ask him if he's anything like his father, and I thought this was interesting. He said, "I like a good joke. I like a nice glass of scotch. I recognize well-made clothes, and there's also a bit of an unscratchable itch somewhere." <laughs> Uh, he doesn't think he's like his mother. Nice lady, my mom. Just and then repeats sort of the, you know, how he feels Jewish as an actor. So that's a, actually a really cool article. He talks about a lot of stuff. It's the one where you weren't here, Rachel, but when we talked about Morning Glory, he talks about his obsession with frittatas. So it was a real obsession there. Frittatas. Frittatas. Yes, you missed the frittatas. That's so sad you missed the frittatas. I missed the frittatas. You did. Um, so what else can we talk about? Okay, so... Do you after this movie? Well, first of all, did you? I, I forget because it was a long time ago. You don't think he's a replicant, right? Or I don't, you do. No. You don't. Okay, so we're both on the same page. I thought so. So after this movie, has that changed for you? Yeah, he's old. No, I'm sorry. No, it hasn't. He's old. He's not a replicant. 
You don't think that, don't they show that they can age? No. Replicants can't, the new ones can. He'd be old, he can't age. Because I agree with you. I, I, I think that. And he couldn't have had a baby. I agree too. But I think some people would say that the idea is that two replicants had a baby and that's why. I think no. I think it's the fact that a human and a replicant had a baby that makes the replicant just as human. And yeah. that's the problem is it's 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 they're now the same because they've merged together and made a child. Yeah. So I think it has a much more resonant weight if he's not. Not to mention, I mean, let's just say that they can age. Ryan Gosling can do so much more different stuff than he can. And you could say, oh, well, it's because he's a different model. No, he's the same model as, da- as uh, Dave Bautista. Right? Yeah. So I say, and he's doing crazy stuff like that too. He's going through walls. Yeah, Rick literally was like beat up by like at the end of Blade Runner. And I was like, if he's a replicant, like there's no way he would be yeah. like, destroyed. I I agree, and and that's that's the biggest thing for me too. Well, so, oh, so, oh, he went through a lot of abuse. And listen, they don't answer the question on purpose. But and when she's naming all the people, um, the the one who was there for the birth, who mm-hmm. you know lets him know that he's not the baby, you no, know, not the baby. She does list Rick in the sentence, and I was like, oh, that's on purpose, I think, because I like the fact that people will believe what they want to believe because yeah. you you don't want to you know. But yeah, I just feel like that it makes more sense if. If she, if he is not a replicant, yeah, if he's a normal dude, I'm glad that we covered that. So, despite positive reviews, the film was a bit of a box office disappointment. I don't know why they're all shocked that this cult movie <laughs> didn't do well. Yeah, um, it grossed 92 million in North America and 259 million worldwide. Um, RogerEbert.com said. It would have been incredibly easy to reboot Blade Runner directly, merely continuing Deckard and Rachel's story from the first movie, or even, gas remaking it. And yet, while hundreds of writers and filmmakers have ins- been inspired by Blade Runner, it's hard to believe any of them could have found a way to expand its legacy as completely as uh, Denis does here with a movie that doesn't feel at all repetitive. Yeah, it, do- it feels it just like a continuation. Yeah. And in, in a way that's not like, here's your like nostalgia here's this it's like no it's continuing the story of rick yeah i thought it was really brave and it it's its own story it's taking the themes of the original blade runner and sort of you know keeping them but turning them a bit like i said like i thought it was genius that it made k and i don't know a lot about ryan gosling and he's wonderful in it i know everything about ryan gosling what do you want to know tell the audience about him well, he started when he was young in the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, that I knew. And then um, he went and did movie, uh, a couple of movies. He was in Young Hercules. He was in uh, Remember the Titans. And then the no- um, there were movies before, but like The Notebook was when everyone like fell in love with Ryan That's Gosling. That's when I first know him, yeah. Um, there, was a, there was a bunch of movies in between there. But The Notebook was like the, oh my God, I love Ryan Gosling phase. Because everyone was obsessed with him and Rachel McAdams. Uh I personally like his weird indie movies. Like, I love Lars and the Real Girl, and I love Drive. I've always wanted to see Lars and the Real Girl. It's good. Um, Drive is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Drive, if you've not seen Drive, Drive is a perfect movie. I should see it. We were obsessed with it when we were in college, and then, like, we saw Drive, because our school used to do this, like, movies would come to our school for a dollar, and so you would see whatever new movie was out. It was really cool. It was really fun, um, and you would pay a buck. So we did drive and then some guy drove his brand new car into our duck pond field 
like into this big lake thing that we had at school because he saw it drive and tried to drive like Ryan Gosling. Oh no! It was. I wanted the scorpion jacket. I like that. I love Drive Still, and the soundtrack is mm-hmm. everything to me. Um, that's a really good movie. Uh, obviously, he was in La La Land and got nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other. Oh, Place Beyond the Pines is also a really good movie. Um, Ryan Gosling is great. If you oh uh, the uh. The, the nice guys the one with him and russell crowe oh really good movie i haven't seen it but i know but, it um ryan gosling is very funny and i think people don't see him as that because he is like the beauty and he has, he's a singer too because he has a band so that's why when la la land came out and everyone goes ryan gosling sings I'm like listen to dead man's bones bitches because again me and my friends were obsessed with ryan gosling when we were younger i've never been like on the you're so hot ryan gosling train I'm more on the like I appreciate your mm-hmm. acting and I think you're an incredible actor train. No, he's he's the the pain that he his character is going through and as much as I didn't really quite get what the baseline was, I could tell when he was off. <laughs> you know, like when he comes back and they're like you're off the charts, I was like, yeah, that's not the way he did it before. Like something is up yeah. with him, but I still don't get what the baseline was trying to it was trying to keep him even, I guess. The baseline makes sure you're a replicant who is still um, not conducive. Um, what word do I want? A replicant who's like still willing and cooperative with their general idea. Because the problem with replicants is replicants can have a mind of their own. So it's like their baseline is making sure that you are still matching with the baseline that they've created, that you are part mm-hmm. of their thing and they can read on your pupils when you say something and you have a different thought. Gotcha. The, so the oh, baseline the is like... That, that's why it was the pupil stuff because the baseline is telling them like you're thinking something different when you say this word than you've done before because there were a lot of things like holding my child feels like I was like okay so they're like trying to see if he's emotionally tainted I guess yeah it's an emotional yeah radar. So but I, like, I think the, the thing that I didn't get was the pupils that was why I was like they're reading their their pupils because the replicants can't have emotions basically. Yeah. So when they like, they can have emotions, but it's like when the replicants started to show emotions that the humans didn't want, that was when the replicants were yeah. murdered. Cause then he would stop, maybe stop, you know, doing orders. And yeah. Own, yeah. I mean, also if you think about it, I was just thinking about it, a lot of film noir are about don't get emotionally invested. You know, mm-hmm. the, the detective guy gets, you know, maybe the girl who's missing reminds him of his daughter. Well, it's even Rick. Yeah. No, until, like yeah. Rick was like always supposed to just kill replicants and he fell in love with Rachel. Yeah. No, that's totally it. Yeah. Cause it's a film. It's really a film noir. Yeah. I also appreciate that they made the, the future, a future version of that and not a future version of us. Like they, like the so- Sony's there and there's stuff about the Soviet union yeah. and it's a very much like an eighties future. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was, was really smart. Um, can you think of anything else? Um, Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Walfish. Uh, Fish. Oh, the music it's so good because it's it's new but it also has it sounds so much like the original which is so yeah and that is so specific to blade runner even though it's it's very much an 80s kind of music you know which we talked about when we talked about blade runner it is so specific to blade runner that it just really brings you into that universe yeah um i i liked the whole um blackout thing that was interesting aspect that you know when he's like, my mother still weeps over the baby pictures. You know, we've come so dependent on, you know, you don't print anything out, everything's on the computer, you know, what happens if it's all gone? I also remember thinking, as soon as he saw that there was a male and a female and he thought that he was, you know, the baby, I went, no, he's not the baby, he can't be. 
That, like, I wish he was. I wish. I wish he was too. And when she says that the memory's real and he freaks out, I thought, oh, okay, maybe he is. And I kind of forgot that I had thought that. My first instinct was like, well, it can't be because it's got to be against what we think because that's makes the it, movie it was surprising. Such smart writing, how they did it. Really smart writing. But I like. I, my heart was so broken because he wanted to be that. Big. I know. Yeah, and of course. And that was that's what another part of good writing, good acting, right? Is that we wanted him to be, he wanted him to be. And and I love that conversation, you know, underground um, when she's like, oh, you thought it was you? We all want it to be us. Yeah. You know, like that was such a, these movies um, are such a metaphor of life and humanity. Yeah with people who supposedly have no soul and aren't human, but they are. Which, in a way, it was funny to be working on this episode and then also seeing Solo. Yeah, because this you, is kind of the same thing. Yeah, because you, um, you have the robot character whose name I can't remember, L3. L3. Uh, of course, I just thought of it after the fact. Her, she wants independence, you know, just because she's a robot doesn't mean, <laughs> oh, I'm just flashing back when she's like, we're not compatible. I thought for a minute, for a moment, maybe, but no. <laughs> I love her. And then have you seen her show, by the way? Fleabag. Yeah. No, I've. I You'd love it. it. It's great. I know. I. But yeah, Michael Green. If you're listening to this episode, because we're talking about you, I will. I will be your personal assistant who just gets you coffee every day if you let me come and just sit in your presence because I'm obsessed with. Should I say what I want Michael Green to do? Uh huh. I want Michael Green to. Um, Give me kings. <laughs> well, maybe, but um, I would like him to um, make a deal with Big Finish, who does all the Doctor Who radio dramas, and I would like to see uh, Angela Petrelli from Heroes. I want to see her life story. I'm available to play Angela. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but even if you don't want me, I just love Angela Petrelli so much that um, I want to see her entire story. If and it is radio. Me. Actually, this is. I should take this back. The reason I wanted to be a radio drama is because then Christine Rose can play her at any age. Yeah. That's why I say that. So I'm joking when I say I want to be in it. Um, I. I want to be in King season two. <laughs> Make King season two. I will play a servant. I don't care. Listen, it's re. <laughs> it is reboot time in the city. Yeah. All right, guys. You heard it here first on the forecast. Michael Green, please write me season two of Kings. Let me just play like yeah. the girl who shines Jack Benjamin's shoes. I don't care. The world and NBC is clamoring for a King season two more than a West Wing <laughs> season two. Yeah. Although, honestly, if we're talking about that. I was at the podcast recording for uh, the Sorkin Goodbye and the West Wing Weekly, which was awesome. And uh, Sorkin's like, uh, they offered me like, I'll write a, a reboot a revival, but I have to think of an idea and I have no ideas. So, you know, but no, so I, NBC, take that money. Go knock on Michael Green's door and say, "Can they should?" Because he's hot, he's hot right now. Look at this, Mr. Oscar nominee. Um, and Sebastian movie Stan is stuff. like a lull right now because they're not filming the Marvel movie. Do you think he'd do a Kings too? I would. Let me ask my dear friend. Should <laughs> ask him. My new friend Zebstan. You should tag him in the episode. Hey, listen to this. <laughs> we really love that show that was on for. Se- you know Rachel, who you think is funny. She wants you to do. Listen, if we're at things. it, if you can bring back Brooklyn Bridge from 1991, <laughs> or um, pushing daisies. Oh well, yeah. Um, there, uh, there was a show called The Powers That Be. It was a sitcom that was on in like the 90s. What had one the- season. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, I got a list. Um, I mean, Quantum Leap, but that was on for four oh. years. Quantum Leap doesn't need a reboot, but I would love more Quantum Leap because I love Scott Bakula. Yeah. Really what they need to do with Quantum Leap is because each of the main characters have daughters. They need to revive it with women. Mm-hmm. 
and and have them be looking for Sam. And then Scott could show up occasionally. That'd be great. Yeah. Dean Stockwell is not acting anymore, though. All right, guys. So we got Quantum Leap. <laughs> we got yeah. King Season 2. Maybe Michael Green can do that. Mike, Michael Green, I will help you write all of these things. Please. And when Rachel means write, she means just get you coffee and sit by you. No, I'll help you write it. <laughs> I will help you write all of these. I will. I think he were. Oh, I was going to say he works alone. That's totally not true. <laughs> no, this is this has a literally co-writer. everything has a co-writer Michael here. He works alone. Um, Michael Sorry. Green, if you want me to write King season two with you, I have so many ideas. Mainly it'd be just be Jack Benjamin crying a lot. To make me happy. Where is His your your King's is fan fiction? Is there a King's fan fiction? Oh my god! Oh my god! If there was King's fan <gasps> fiction, I would do nothing for the rest of my day. That's so funny. Because Jack was in love with David, and then David like yeah. was in love with his sister. So I then mean, Jack was in love with Michael. If we're gonna talk about oh. this in a serious way, this is one of the great thing about the internet is that you have this great show that was only on for a year that maybe was before its time or people didn't find it, and because of the internet, it's still there on the NBC app for people to watch. Yeah. Like you found it just through because you love Sebastian Stan, right? Yeah, my friend told me she was like, if yeah. you love because we the way <laughs> Sebastian Stan's career is divided up in three parts. Okay. There is um, sad gay boy who is crying about it, mm-hmm. um, douchebag sports guy, and then superhero. Oh, the and trilogy. Bucky kind of intermixes that, but um, those are his careers, mm-hmm. or that those are his types. Sports guy is great. There's a trilogy. It's the bronze, uh, Logan Lucky, and then I, Tanya, and then the superheroes are all the Marvel movies, but then the sad gay boy is TJ Hammond from Political Animals. Uh Oh, I Jack forgot, Benjamin. Forgot about he was so good in political animals. The I covenant, forgot about that. Like all of them mm-hmm. are like sad. I'm gay and I can't do anything about it, boys. And they cry all the time and I love it. And so I want more kings really badly. Can I read something really quick that I forgot to mention? Yeah. Because this well, feels so Harrison Ford. I'm sorry, are you done? If you're not done, keep talking. Just, I think it's the second episode of Kings. Mm-hmm. as my favorite Zep Sam moment ever where he's like, he takes them all to buy stuff with his dad's credit card. Um, who's the king? Ian McShane. Yeah, that's the thing. Ian McShane, Ian McShane. is in. Um, and he goes, he has these sunglasses on and he's dressed in his like army outfit and he bites his lip and he looks at the girl working and he like nods her over and it is the sexiest thing I've ever seen. And I am so glad I thought about this now and not when I was looking at him in his face because I probably would say I hate you for that. But if you just wanted to give me that sing- scene of kings on repeat and call it season two, I would take it. Okay. <laughs> I just want season two of Kings. Uh, no, I just remember looking at this paper that I forgot to say before that I feel is so quintessential Harrison Ford is, so he was there when his father chopped off his finger and he put it in tissue and brought it to the hospital, but because it was such a long time ago, they just threw the, the, fin- the rest of the finger out. They didn't mm-hmm. know how to attach things yet, I guess. And so the interviewer was like, were you traumatized by it? And he goes, no, I wasn't traumatized by it. And then he laughed, it wasn't my finger. And on that note, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about Pat McQueenie. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyone here who um, listens to the podcast, you know that we've spoken about her before briefly. She was his uh, manager until she passed away, which we talked a little bit about when she passed away in, in a previous episode as well, um, because it was uh, very shortly after he signed with a big agency and the idea was that they would work together, but his choices through much of the 2000s were not great. I think it's because they were seeing him as a movie star and not as Harrison Ford. But anyway, so 
so she was an ex-actress and she uh, was a manager for people at the time like Cindy Williams and Terry Garr who were in, um, you know, movies with Harrison Ford, which also side note reminds me of a story that we never got to t- talk about was apparently when um, Cindy Williams was in the hospital with like uh, Spanish chicken pox, something really weird that no one gets anymore. Harrison Ford paid a violinist to serenade her in her hospital room. Oh, Yeah, that was really sweet. Uh, so we've also talked about that Fred Roos, who produced uh, and helped cast Star Wars, um, as well as um, a lot of movies, um, really took Harrison under his wing and really tried to help his career and get him roles. So he he set up this interview with Pat, but Harrison didn't really want to do it. <laughs> he He was very apprehensive and she tells the story that he sat on the couch in her office with his hands clasped between his knees and his head down. And I sat there th- thinking, what in the world am I going to do with him? And I knew he was sitting there thinking, what has Fred Roos gotten me into? So he was, you know, they did not have such a great start of their relationship, but they really trusted each other. And, you know, she would sometimes bring him things and he would say no. And sometimes she'd have to convince him to do it. I mean, we've also talked that he, you know, he usually has a gut reaction to something. He doesn't usually have to think about it. Yeah. If it's a no, if, if he's thinking about it, it's probably a yes anyway. He just yeah. needs to sort of mull it over and figure it out. Um, and she really helped to mold his career. And they became very good friends. And she's such an important piece of the puzzle and a woman, and we've talked about a lot of women behind the scenes who've been very, you know, influential in Harrison's career. Um, and it feels like he's been kind of lost without her, I feel. It could just be a coincidence because they were still together when he signed with UTA. Yeah. Um, it was just sort of an additional help to have kind of a big agency. Uh, and he was her only client for a very, very long time. They just, you know, focused on that together. But, you know, now... Now he's he's found his niche, which is of course uh Van his old character. Yes, the as I call it, the Harrison Ford nostalgia goodbye tour. <laughs> um but that's what everyone's doing now. Yeah, really. The, my really? entire childhood, because I am older than you, is being rebooted. They're redoing Shira. They're most likely redoing the Babysitters Club. They are doing Clarissa Explains It All, which is a show on Nickelodeon I used to love. Yeah, uh, you, I'm I'm aware of Clarissa explaining you, that you was do? my age. Yes, that no. was the '90s. But you were super young. No, I was like I was a child during the '90s. But that like was Rock was Modern Life 19, and all of that. You must have been watching reruns because I used to watch it in 1991. Yeah, that's when it started. 1991. You were born in 1991. Yeah, I it used to still be on. Okay, all right. <laughs> cool. Well, that's great. Clarissa explains it all. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Okay. I apologize. I didn't mean to assume. <laughs> I was like, no, I know Clarissa explains it all. You know the reason why? Because I thought it was super obscure. Because it was like kind of like when I watched it. No, that's um, the girl who played screen, uh, yeah. Sabrina. No, I'm glad. I, listen, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm Melissa, glad. Melissa, well, what's her Joan name? Joan Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, it was very much in the shadow of Blossom. I don't know Blossom. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Um, Blossom was with Maya Bialik. She's, she played young Bette Midler from Beaches, and she's also in The Big Bang Theory. Oh. I didn't realize that's who that who played young Bette Midler in Beaches. Yeah. Beaches was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Same with me. And so I, I watched all... She had another pilot that didn't... Another series that didn't go. So I watched it because of her, and she played a young girl named Blossom, and her dad was one of the guys from Soap. 
whose name I can't think of right now. And her mom had left. And so it was just like her and her. Oh, Joey Lawrence. Oh my God. I talked about the Lawrence brothers because we went to Philly and I was talking about brotherly love and no one knew what it was. I was like, no one knows about the Lawrence okay. brothers. So, so obviously when he was a little kid, he was on um, the show with Neil Carter, right? Uh-huh. But um, when he was a teenager, if you ever see clips of him going, whoa, that's awesome. Yeah, well, he also did it on Brotherly Love, too. Oh, because it became his... Okay, because yeah. it became his thing. Yeah, so he, he did st- it on Brotherly Love. He started Love. on Blossoms. Because there's Joey, Anthony, and what's the other one? Oh, I don't know. Right? Anthony You're right. There's three of them, yeah. Yeah, there's three of them, but I... I yeah. So he started doing yeah. the woe thing on Blossom. So he was like the dumb brother, and then you the had the, the older brother who... He's the li- one that's on Boy Meets World, right? Joey? I don't know. One of them is Sean's brother on Boy Meets World. You're probably right. I, I think know. it's Joey Lawrence. Um, it's the squinty one. The, mean, one who, the one who squints. The, the Lawrence brother who like has big eyebrows. And Joey's the one from Blossom. I, that's not helpful to me. I'm saying like... Joey's the one who go, would go, whoa. No, I know. <laughs> no. Okay, no, it's not Joey because yeah. Joey Lawrence is in Melissa and Joey. Yes. It's the other Lawrence brother. That is correct. <laughs> See, I'm kind of getting these references. Look, yes. we're, we're a team. Because Joey Lawrence is with... Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the one I'm thinking of is the Lawrence Brother 2 who's in Boy Meets World. Probably, yeah. I can't remember. So this is going to be our last episode for a while. <gasps> yeah, Harrison Ford needs to make some movies. Yeah, I mean, we could do a recap show, but that would mean he's dead. So we won't do a recap show. We'll wait till he dies. Oh, God, that was a terrible sentence. So, yeah, so we're going to go on a bit of a hiatus until there's either some Harrison Ford news or something that or a Star do, Wars yeah. movie that we want to talk about. Um, if you guys have something you want us to talk yeah, about. Yeah, if you, you see something. Oh, he's doing that cartoon movie. We're going to have to do that cartoon movie. What cartoon movie? He's doing the Lives of, do- Lives of Pets too. Can't wait. It's his first. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about with Force Awakens that he did the voice in the, the, video, the Lego video game, which was a big deal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you were like, oh my god, I think this would be a great idea for the ladies to cover in the forecast, you can email us at the forecast podcast at gmail dot com. You can tweet at us. Um, uh, Instagram will probably be a little sparse, you know, until we come back. But but yeah, it's our last chance to enter our contest. Rachel, you want to make up a number? Forty nine. It was forty nine last time. Uh, Two thousand and forty nine. Oh, you're right. We should have saved that. Can I do 2049? Yeah, of course you can. There you go. So go on the website, go under contests, click the button, put in number 49 and fill out all your information. And then we will contact 2049. 2049, sorry. And then we will contact you and we will uh, put you in the running to win one of these. There are a lot of prize packs. Probably everybody will win something. You'll get a prize pack and you'll get get a prize prize pack. pack. And that's an Oprah reference. Mm -hmm. So this has been amazing, Rachel. It has. Um, I can't believe that we've gone through the entire Harrison Ford canon. And there's more to come. Thank you to everyone who listened, who reviewed us, who sent us messages on in, in the, the social medias. Thank you for listening. Thank you. You can Hey, Lauren, before we go. Yeah, what? What, Rachel? Where can follow you on social media? Oh, thanks, Rachel. They can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Lauren Milberger. Where can they follow you, Rachel? You can follow me on Twitter at Rachel Leishman and on Instagram at Rachel underscore Leishman. Smash the stand thinks I'm funny. <laughs> I still think that should be your tagline. Hey, Michael Green, you're still listening? He's not listening. He's gone. Michael Green, come back. We Give, stopped mentioning his name. Let me write King Season 2. <laughs> we'll write it together. I'll write myself into it. 
Yeah, that'll work. Me writing on King season two. Listen, again, if She-Ra can come back. Kings can come back. Kings, a sh- cancel show from 2009. Yeah, one season. Yeah. Was in Jackson McHenry. Hey, Heroes did come back. But yeah. Michael Green did not write it, and so therefore it was not successful. See, Michael Green, you have to come back for King season two. Yeah, well, the, no reason to do season King, season King, do King season two if Michael Green doesn't come back. But he's a little busy doing all of his movies and being nominated him. for Oscars. That's why I'll help him. Okay. Mine will just be everything Jack Benjamin, but I will help him. Okay. Any last words? Like, rate, review, subscribe. Yeah. Because if you don't subscribe, you won't know when we post a new episode because they're not going to be regular. Yeah. Hire us to write for your shows. Okay. That's, a, that, that's actually how you get parts. Yeah. I'm sure that's how that works. Mm-hmm. It is in some ways. Sometimes people just are like, that girl's funny. I'm going to cast her. And you're like, thank you. Yeah. So cast me. Okay. Because I'm sure no one knew that we wanted that. So that's good. I'm glad you put that out there. You <laughs> it's know, like the secret. Th- you put it out there and it happens. They're actors. Oh, that's true. Right? But you just didn't put it out there. You asked for it. My friend... My friend Amandine does like Reiki and stuff and she's all about like, if you put the positive thing out of there, it'll happen. And so then this weekend happened, she goes, see, you thought positively. I'm like, I'm always thinking positively if this is what no, happens. No, I think, I think what you put out, you definitely get back. I do, I do agree with that. I was just making a joke. I'm going to secret my way into fame. God, they have a website with headshots and yeah, they write and, Rachel but I don't think they want jobs. <laughs> nah, they don't Rachel want jobs. Rachel laurenmilberger.com wow i have business cards if y'all want them <laughs> we have business cards too we have business we, cards for the podcast yeah sash and stan if you're listening <laughs> you can slide into my dms i know you look at my page harrison ford i hope you're not listening yeah harrison ford don't ever listen please to don't listen to this show to my We're friends who've listened to this so podcast. sorry if, if ever we meet i will deny that i you'll show me pictures and i'll go that's not me <laughs> That's not my name. I've never I done a podcast on Harrison Ford. I almost did that. When Sebastian said, said my name, I almost was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I was like, nope. I don't know who it is. Not Walk me. out slowly with your hand. <laughs> so from Rachel and myself, one last. Bye. Bye.